Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com str. somehow ended up listening to the stuff that's real that you didn't know was real but also is cool podcast or sturdy dick were bayek or uh never mind all right well kevin tumlinson this is um a new year a new uh a new era does anyone even know that it wasn't a new year to begin with though like um pre-recording I, everything everybody should know <laughs> it should be obvious to everyone wherever with, you are where we are is a new year so welcome to our new year and kevin reached the new year much faster than i did i'm i'm out here in hawaii one of the last to get to the new year uh, but i'm here now Rub i'm in 2021 in. everyone well i'm in the great state of texas so republic of texas this is where this is the United States of Texas. <laughs> Texas forever. That's right. <laughs> Texas forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got we have some good cool stuff to talk about today. Um, some interesting yeah, things that is real that are real, uh, but also are cool. Um, and I can kick us off here if you want. Um, I, I've always been fascinated by this character specifically, um, but also just this entire cultural um well the, the culture i should say just leave it at culture um the native american the indian population um i am going to use the term that is in the article that i'm reading from and they a lot of times use the term indian so that is not uh, a, a non-politically correct term um for uh, for anyone listening who thinks it is uh and if it is then you can go take it up with these people who wrote the article not me so i don't want to hear it is that fair <laughs> that's fair i'm trying I... my best Accept your terms. <laughs> I have I've long been fascinated with the Native Americans um, because they are, well, like in the in the in the name, uh, they they were here before we were, and a lot of people don't know um, much about them because their uh, oral tradition has only in in small instances been become a written tradition, and so there's just not a lot of firsthand, comparatively speaking, not a lot of firsthand um, writing about the Indian population that was in America. And we, we know some of the names that are more mythological or legendary than any, than any you know, really anything else. But um, of course, these were real people and they did real things and they were every bit as uh, nuanced of a culture and civilization as uh, we are today. Um, and they had their own problems and everything. And they had their own heroes. And one of those heroes that I've, I've long been fascinated with uh, is named Geronimo. That was his given name. Uh, now we've all heard of Geronimo. That name thing. just fell upon him. It just <laughs> fell upon him. Well, it kind of did. So, yeah, I mean, the, the story, we, we really don't know um, where, you know, I, we, basically the assumption is that was not his birth name. The The birth name, we think, uh, that was given to him was Goy, Goyakala. Goyakala. And uh, forgive me, I don't speak Apache. 
Um, but that is uh, the the name. It means one who yawns. Which I think, okay. I mean, that's, that's cool, right? So, I, like, I, I could probably be called that as well. Um, and it would be an accurate term to describe me. But, like, uh, most people who are given a name like the one who yawns, it seems Geronimo, young Geronimo, <sighs> sought out to uh, to find, yeah, exactly, fight, find a better name for himself. Um, so he actually earned the moniker Geronimo after uh, a bunch of these raids the Apaches were taking against the Mexicans. Um, now, to set the stage here, you know, you're in Texas. You already know this because yeah. this is part of our, our this upbringing. This is Texas history. Yeah. We, we have to know Texas history. Right. Um, you know, this is around, he's born probably in the 1820s, Geronimo was. Um, in 1836, my memory serves correctly, was Battle of the Alamo. Um, and for Texans, this is <laughs> this is like bigger than Fourth of July. Um, you know, Mex uh, Texas was Mexico. It was part of Mexico for all the time before that. And in 1836, uh, we had the Battle of the Alamo, which uh, was a battle, a losing battle for the Texans. Um, they all died. Um, but then it weakened the Mexican army in Santa Ana enough so that um, was it was it Steve Austin Stephen Austin not Steve Austin that's Stone Cold Steve Austin I think it was Stephen, Stephen F. F Austin, Austin. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was the um, leader of the army maybe it was William Retter I can't remember I think it was Stephen F Austin who came in and uh, with his army was able to decimate the Mexican army and declare Texas independent so that's kind of to set the stage Geronimo was born uh, into the Apache tribe the, the Chiracahua Apache tribe um, around the New Mexico, Arizona area. So he was on the border of um, the Apache land and Mexico at the time. Um, and so he did all these raids against the Mexicans. Um, and that was sort of how he gained his his popularity, at least in the Indian tribes there. Um, and, and of course the notoriety in the Mexican army. So people think that it may, his name may have come from, you know, these frightened Mexican soldiers. He's bearing down on them about to kill them all. And uh, they're invoking the Catholic St. Jerome. Um, I don't know if I buy that. I think they wouldn't have, Mexican wouldn't have pronounced St. Jerome with the, the hard J sound, but I, I don't know, whatever. Um, that was one idea, but maybe it was simply a nickname or a mispronunciation of the Goyacla name that he was given. However, it cracked out. He got a much cooler name than one who yawns uh, because yes. of his fighting and awesomeness in um, in, in the Apache uh, raids, essentially. I feel like I would be betraying my my state and my bloodline if I didn't point, if I didn't mention that I that there was a Tumlinson at the Battle of the Alamo. Was there really? Yeah. Is it, if you, you would be betraying that look, if you didn't mention it. I mean, seriously, right? I'd lose, I'd, they'd revoke my Texan card. But yeah, if you go and you read through the plaques that are at the Alamo, uh, they list the names of everyone who died there. And there is a Tumlinson among those names. So, a Tumlinson among have us? A, one of the first Texas Rangers was a Tumlinson. That's pretty big, cool, man. I'm big on Texas. I like Texas. Texas, we could do a whole whole podcast about Texas. We could do I, an entire podcast about Texas. That's true. I would like to do something about the Texas Rangers um, because that, that's that's a cool, you know, non-U.S. military yet sort of militia kind of thing going yeah. on. And uh, then all anyone ever knows there. about them is, is, you know, the Chuck Norris series. Right. Right. Which is all like knowing almost <laughs> nothing about them. Which is practically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this guy, this guy, Geronimo, man, he. Um, yeah. He. 
so let me jump to the kind of the end here, um, because in in my recall recounting of of what I learned about this guy, um, obviously left a lot to be desired. But um, I sort of had him built up as um, like an ambassador, a liaison, if you will, between the Indian population in America um, and the Americans that you know yeah. founded the country, um, which is <laughs> not surprisingly very far from the truth but i had I had drama built up as sort of this like um you know hey america's america uh, um th these europeans sorry came made a new country and then um took over um killed uh gave viruses and smallpox and all that to this indian population and depressed them and then basically won that war if you will uh, but then we hold up these guys like geronimo and um um any other figure that I'm trying to draw blanks for names, but any of these other figures, um, you know, like the Pocahontas type people that were in um, in and around the country at the time and held them up as almost like heroes of, of almost like they, they wanted us to be there and we were old buddies, right? Yeah. Um, and like I said, not surprisingly, this was very far from the truth. But to, to skip to kind of the end of his life here, um, in 1905, so this is well into American history now. We're, we're in the middle of presidential runs and things like that. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt got elected president in 1905 and in the, uh, or 1904, I should say. And then on March 4th, 1905, his inauguration, he actually um, had Geronimo there for that inauguration. And um, yeah. he was in Washington, D.C., flanked by five other Indian leaders. Um, and this guy, he's elderly now, he's old. Um, he was on a pony riding down Pennsylvania Avenue and people were yelling, hooray for Geronimo. Um, so that's kind of the image that I had built in my mind. Uh, and that's, just, that's a true story. Uh, but yeah. that was the image that I had in my mind. Everybody loves Geronimo, everybody, you know, he's great. He's a hero um, for Americans. But the truth is he was an enemy of the state for yeah. most of his life. Um, he spent the last 20 years of his life actually as a prisoner of war. Yeah. Um, and how he got there is, is a pretty cool story. But he, at the time he did this in, in 1905, he was still a prisoner of war, and he took um, he took that opportunity in in Washington D.C. to be in the inaugural parade um, to actually plead with President Roosevelt to send his um, Chiricahuas back to their Western native lands, um, which is great. And so, an actual quote from him says, "I pray you to cut the ropes and make me free." Um, so, I mean, my God, we've just got this elaborate history that um, hardly anyone knows about. Um, yeah. On you know, and it's just. It's, it's fascinating um, to kind of go from one, I don't know, it's just it, something about this whole thing is, is really um, interesting to me because it's so um, drastically different from where he came from and how he ended up. Yeah, it's, you know? it's almost haunting. Like he spent Haunting, that's a good word for it. Like, I, I don't know how long of his life. He spent the last portion of his life as essentially a, a sideshow. For the for the U.S. government, that was a word they, I thought of too. Yeah, he's a carnival yeah. attraction, you know. He's a carnival attraction. Yeah, they took him around. Uh, at one point, he was in Texas, and uh, they had him. They did. They staged this whole thing where, you know, he came out and and rode down and shot a, a buffalo, uh, and everyone cheers. Right. You know, uh, well, his the the tribe that he belonged to didn't hunt buffalo. So right. it was just a one big, like, you know, put on, uh, kind of an offensive 
you know, talk about cultural appropriation. <laughs> you know, it was just a big racist uh, activity on the part of the, apparently the U.S. government uh, was, was kind of funding and backing all that. Yeah, I would say not kind of offensive. Like this was probably one of the most offensive ways yeah. to treat a guy like this. Um, you know, to, I mean, you know, movies like Catch Me If You Can, where you've got a, a, a some pseudo true story of somebody who is an enemy of the state and they finally catch them. Um, and, yeah. you know, the, the end of that movie is great. They they use him, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, uh, Frank Abagnale Jr., as as a source to yeah. be able to, to get better at what they want to do. And they did not do this at all with Geronimo. Like they could have had an opportunity to say, hey, teach us about your people, teach us about your ways. Right. Even if there was an ulterior motive of being able to control you know, the West, um, they probably shouldn't have turned this guy into a sideshow. But hey, that's America for you, right? So um, <laughs> it's all about the marketing. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, this guy, just talk about a, I wouldn't even say roller coaster. It was like a roller coaster if you start at the top and you just keep tumbling down. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure there were good moments in his life, but he was known for being uh, a terrifying warrior, basically a killer, you know, killing people, and he was good at it. Um, he took bounties. Um, sorry, he um, was, he suffered from um, the Mexican government, because again, at the time, there was no America here. There was just Mexico and, and, and the Apache uh, population. But the Mexican yeah. government um, at this time was ambushing all these Apache settlements and offering these really, really lucrative bounties for their scalps. Um, you know, so we always think the scalping thing was a one-way street, but it, it really wasn't. <laughs> yeah. um, that was not a one-way thing. And so Geronimo in 1851, he was with some buddies and they were in the town of uh, Janos or Janos, I, I guess it would be pronounced, on a trading mission. Um, one of the colonels in the Mexican army and 400 Mexican soldiers uh, came to his home. He wasn't there, but went to his home and slaughtered his wife, uh, his children, um, three of them, and they were all young. Um, and they they were just murdered. You know that was and that was his family. I don't, yeah. you know, to, to my knowledge, he did not remarry and have other kids. I mean, that was it. Um, so anyway, you know, it's it, he wrote a, an autobiography, which is that that's I think the part that that always strikes me as intriguing because you've got like uh, that's a I would say maybe maybe not a Western um, development, Kevin, but it, it's something that I don't really think of um, Native American population or Native American Indians doing back then. Um, and maybe that's just because I'm, I'm ignorant and I don't know um, if how many autobiographies were written, but this guy wrote an autobiography. Um, right. And and it just kind of, it's, it's like a, a bridging the gap sort of thing between these two vastly different worlds. Um, of course, I have not read the autobiography yet, but I, I referenced a little bit of it real quickly because I wanted to just make sure I was kind of staying on track, but um, just talk, I mean, this guy, he's always been fascinating to me. I just, I, I could talk about him all day, even though I know nothing about him. Do you know why people yell Geronimo when they're jumping off of stuff? No, I was going to ask you because I had a feeling you might know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so it all comes down to uh, basically the paratroopers and like in an early, early on uh, when the sort of whole paratrooper thing was becoming a thing, um, they... The way I always heard the story was essentially is like a bunch of frat boys going to see a movie. They went to saw, see the film uh, from the 30s called Geronimo. It was about his life. And so, you know, like young guys do, they just they just started shouting that when they jumped out of the, the airplanes, practicing jumps. And it sort of just caught on and it became kind of a tradition. And then 
and it's been picked up and spread around and you know now people say stuff like that uh you know thanks to bugs bunny cartoons uh we all learned to yell geronimo when we jump off a cliff or something like that you know but in this uh, movie in 1930 there was no jumping off of anything no it was wasn't it? <laughs> they weren't jumping off anything in the movie but they were the the paratroopers were, were they were the ones that watched on. the movie yeah they watched yeah. the movie and gotcha. they took that on as a way to kind of say we're not afraid of anything so we're going to okay. jump out so it was an honorific i see okay thing. they were honoring geronimo's sure, uh, sure. The spirit of geronimo's bravery uh, by shouting his name when they jump out of an airplane. So that makes it, sense. But, okay. but you know how it is. It's like young guys yes, do yeah. stuff like that. You know, like, I mean, I, I've heard other guys ago. do that. I never did, but you know, I heard, I heard, <laughs> well, I heard when, how young guys are supposed uh, to be. <laughs> when Borat came out a few years ago, like every young guy was going around like very nice, you know, and right, that was right. the thing. So that it was, was kind of like that. But it was a it was a shout out, literally, to yeah. uh, the bravery of Geronimo. So. Well, that's good. Go. That's refreshing. I was afraid it was going to be something horrifying uh, and, and very racist, as we do. No, all America, the horrifying but... racist stuff came, <laughs> came later prior to that. Yes. Prior and later, yeah. Yeah, prior. <laughs> this to was the movie. one non-horrifying thing. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it's just a. It's kind of a sad story, right? I mean, he, he. I this is where I think the autobiography would be a good place to start, and then of course biographies. Yeah. Um, and so I can't answer this, but um, every time I've read an autobiography or an or a biography, I tend to get, uh, well, not tend to, I always get a lot more nuance about who the person was, you know, character-wise, like personality, yeah. things like that. Um, but I, I know enough about American history um, and enough about how wrong I've been about American history to know that um, this guy was not all bad. He was yeah. not just some supervillain. Um, he was not just some... Um, horrifying person who wanted to kill people he had land and he had a tribe and he wanted to protect that stuff and that's not anything different than any other man i've ever met right so um right he just had this life of wanting to you know fight for what was his and um it didn't work out well um obviously he he gained notoriety and then um in mexico and then in, of course in america and eventually um he uh he he wanted or he was he was wanted by people, the powers that be. And uh, in 1885, so he, he was caught essentially, actually he was never caught. He was never caught, he turned himself in. But here's how here's how it happened. He, in 1885, um, Geronimo and about 135 men, women and children in the Apache tribe, um, they took flight from their reservation and they never would return. Um, he was in his 60s at the time, uh, but he was obviously strong and, and vicarious and he, he was able to cover about 70 miles a day because they were avoiding the American cavalry and um, the Apache scouts that were on their trail also hunting them. So for months, um, several months, they continued to raid for food and whatever and they killed several civilians, of course, um, only garnering more attention, um, both Mexican and American civilian settlements, all that. And so <clears throat> they kind of tricked them. They said, hey, we're going to surrender. Uh, this is in March in 1886, but um, about 40 people, including Geronimo, um, backed out at the last minute. So that really pissed off the Americans, right? That really pissed off the U.S. Army. Um, so the U.S. Army sent a quarter of their standing army. <laughs> this is about 5,000 U.S. soldiers. Uh, and Mexico, after, uh, for some reason, suffering a long, uh, hard defeat, uh, only years before at the Alamo, uh, decided to help out America because they hated this guy so much. Um, 
or they were hunting him separately. But the point is about 8,000 troops total were chasing after Geronimo for about five months. You can imagine, I mean, you're running around the, so if you've ever been to Arizona, New Mexico, you that's not a place you want to wander around for months, uh, at least in my opinion. <laughs> so these guys lived there, so they were pretty good at it, but um, um, they, uh, they, they wandered around for about five months until they got tired and finally just said, said, hey, we're gonna turn ourselves in. And that's it, and he spent the last 20 years of his life, 23 years as a prisoner of war. So what a great yeah. womp womp. <laughs> Yeah, way story. down the ending. <clears throat> yeah, that's Geronimo, man. Um, again, I I tell myself I'm going to read more about him, um, but I also have about 500 other biographies and autobiographies yeah. on my list uh, of and people I, I've whose really, lives I've I want to know more about. I've been reading a ton of biographies and autobiographies lately. Um, I love them. I can't get enough of them. I do too. And I, I, I used to hate them, but now really? I, I do. I'm like you. I can't get enough of them. I read, I probably, you know, I'm uh, right now, I, in, back in my heyday, when I was jobless and penniless and all I had was a library card, you know, I was reading like five to 10 books a week. Yeah. Uh, living off of ramen noodles and, you know, which were stolen most of the time, by the way. Like I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would pocket, I'm not ashamed to admit this these days, you know, but I was poor enough that I would pocket the 10 for 99 cent ramen noodles a package at a time because I couldn't afford 99 cents for ramen noodles. So this should and be I a stuff that's real episode library. for you. The, the life of young yeah. Kevin Tumlinson, <laughs> the uh, mullet wearing, the ramen stealing. Of, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. very much opposed to that sort of thing now. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Um, but I, I know I'm with but, you, man. I think we've all kind of been through it, right? Everyone's kind of been there. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, poor college student. Uh, yep. I, there were other ways that I could have eaten though. So don't, right. don't make, I don't want to sound virtuous. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but that, uh, it's funny. I didn't read biographies back then, you know, it's mostly fiction back then. And now I read like a book a week and it's almost always, you know, something like a biography or something. So anyway, yeah. So that's Anywho, Geronimo for you. That's everything that's you ever needed to know about Geronimo. <laughs> Take that's the jump. I just downloaded his, uh, autobiography while we were chatting i need to, I need to read, read it. it i need to read it i have a hard time with reading about native americans for some reason really yeah i don't know what it is it's a hang-up of mine I, I, like hard time like not interested or yeah i lose i lose interest in some of it but i sh okay. I, I need to just push through because there's a lot you can That's learn i i think it's because of the texas history thing okay you know? We were inundated yeah. with that. So, uh, but things that I was not inundated with were stuff like uh, Pompeii, uh, Ooh, which is Pompeii. where my story comes from. So, my second favorite volcano. <laughs> which Vesuvius uh, is the volcano, right? Vesuvius was the volcano. Yeah. <laughs> and wasn't that? Um, no, I, I, I was about to go off on a tangent on the wrong fact. Okay, so. Uh, but it was Pompeii that got destroyed by Vesuvius. So yes. you're on the right track. So um, this story, the story came up recently, and it was, uh, it's, it's the headline of this particular story is breaking news. Archaeologists unearthed ancient fast food snack bar in Pompeii. So this hopefully won't have this quite the same downer ending as the uh, Geronimo story. <laughs> well, Although it does end in everyone's death. So 
I was going to say, I'm not sure how Pompey is going to have a happy ending, but we'll see. Uh, Kevin Tomlinson for the win. Well, here we go. I challenge accepted. So, um, I'm not going to read the article or anything, but it, what, what happened was they, you know, this is an ongoing dig in uh, Thermopyl, Thermo, no wait, that's Thermopylae, not the area. Right? Oh, yeah, it's the Therm, Thermopolia, Thermopolia. It, that's what it's called. That's what this thing is called. That's what the snack bar is called. It's a, okay. it's a ancient snack bar in the in Pompeii's Region Five site, and so this is an ongoing site where they've been doing a lot of excavating. There was an illegal excavation uh, forever ago, <clears throat> hundreds of years ago, I think, that in the 17th century, where a lot of this got disturbed. So some of what they're finding uh, has been skewed and obscured by. Um, illegal digs, people looking for treasure, basically treasure hunters going and digging illegally. But what was interesting about this, and and Nick and I can see the photos that you can't see, uh, but it's it looks like a snack stand, like it's it's this like Z shaped uh, thing made of like um, I don't know bricks. It's got like stone and bricks, and then it's got this like fresco over it that. Um, is painted with all sorts of things. It's painted with the things that this thing serves. So it's like this Z-shaped island, you know, like a kitchen island kind of thing with a bunch of holes in the top where little pots of, of things would go. So uh, one of the frescoes shows two ducks hanging upside down and a rooster and, uh, uh, interestingly enough, a dog. All things that were served to the public as snack foods from this, uh, from this snack bar. But they would have the ducks and things in these pots inside this thing. They actually found skeleton you know, uh, bones from some of these animals and uh, you know, evidence of you know, all these like tools and plates and you know, all the things that you would expect at a snack bar. They found all this stuff there, still there, because it was active at the time that the eruption happened. And that That's means, wild. of course, they also found human uh, skeletal remains there. Mm, so there it is. It, it's yeah now those according to the article that stuff got a little bit scattered because of the digging and the excavating from the illegal bunch um but it shows that it was actively in use it's really interesting because it's very well preserved like it's it's kind of banged up you know there's bits of it chipped off from uh you know being buried and, and being smashed by things falling on it or whatever but you know there's a shot of uh one side of it that shows the ducks and the, the rooster and the, the uh, dog and it's all, you know, you would expect to see this if you walked into like a restaurant or something. It looks like something someone would paint on the wall. Oh my God, yeah. Me, it kind of uh, looks like something you'd paint on the wall like a Mexican restaurant, frankly. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's, I'm looking know, at it now. I can't believe how well-preserved it was. I mean, you said yeah. well-preserved, and I think, okay, well-preserved for something that's, you know, a thousand years old, but two, no, sorry, down 2,000 to the years details. old. You know, it yeah. is. I, I mean, mean the, the vibrant colors. I mean, all yeah. of it's there. Vib uh, it's a bright yellow, and it's... Uh, you know, they got a picture of a dog with a uh, red collar on. Uh, interestingly, interestingly enough, it looks like a red collar with like little silver spikes like you would see today. Uh, but it's, yeah, I don't know that that's what it is, but that's what it looks like. So yeah, this is really interesting. And what I, the thing that I like about this and the reason I, I, I chose, it's, quir it's a quirky story. Uh, but the thing that I like about this is is how it shows that we really have not changed much at all over like the past you know a few thousand years. We're still the same group of people 
it would set up a bright yellow food stand and uh and sell on the on street uh in a in a city we would still do exactly this this sort of thing this is probably a little more uh substantial and permanent than a snack cart would be today yeah like if there was an er eruption of a um of a volcano in say the big island uh in hawaii <laughs> that That's ended up covering the you know the city in uh, ash <laughs> and what have you then uh you know you would expect that you know if couple thousand years from now if you dug that up you'd find buildings and things like that but you probably wouldn't find like these little aluminum you know snack carts and hot dogs and stuff like that like that probably wouldn't be there no I you see, know what would yeah, be there is i thought about this the other day i was going coming home from church and um in our neighborhoods we, we live in the in one of the biggest neighborhoods in the nation and i mean basically size wise it's just you know eight thousand homes or something like some stupid number um yeah. and so there's all kinds of fun stuff in the neighborhood and one of them is this uh, place called Big Big Tex Barbecue. Big Tex, okay. I think Tex apostrophe S. Maybe he's going for Big Texas Barbecue. Big I don't know. Texas Barbecue. Big Texas Barbecue, something like that. Yeah. Um, smells amazing. Every time we drive into our neighborhood, you can smell this thing cooking. He just parks it in his land. But um, of course, it's a truck, so he drives it around and stuff. And it was on the way home from church last week. And so I stopped in, of course, and, and talked up the owner, got some uh, pulled pork, brisket, uh, which was delicious. And uh, they're from Houston. Oh yeah, and his wife wow. from Houston. Yeah, so Big Tex and his wife, Little Tex, I guess. I don't know, but maybe she's not named. Um, they uh, and they started this food truck, moved out to Hawaii. So that's what I was thinking of when you showed, when you sent this uh, snack stall in, uh, thing. And the first thing I thought of was, I live on an active volcano as well, and I'm always in danger of getting covered up with lava. And it would be Big Tex's food truck that I'd be saddest to see go, um, <laughs> if we uh, if we ever got there. <laughs> if you somehow survived. <laughs> But you know, right. and I know this is totally. Maybe I should do a whole a whole part on on our volcano. It's a very different volcano than these Mount St. Helens and Pompeii's, uh, where you just ultimately can't predict when they're going to blow up, and there's a lot of pressure being built until that pressure pops. You know, um, we don't really know what's going to happen. And yeah. Hawaii's volcano uh, Kilauea is one of the active vents, but it's it's Mauna Loa is the mountain, and um, it's it's sort of just like slowly seeping, like a like an oozing wound. Um, and sometimes the wound heals up a little bit and then it just kind of melts back open, but it's, it, it doesn't blow up, you know, it just sort of leaks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so because it's constantly leaking, there's no danger that it's going to build up a bunch of pressure and, and explode like these other ones. So I think we're, we're mostly safe. The joke around here is that lava is slow. Um, you can outrun it, but it just doesn't stop. So at some point you have to turn. It's and like when the you're on an island in the walking dead. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like the zombies. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, they're just, slow, just going to keep coming. Yeah. So, yeah. So then that was not the case uh, with Vesuvius, though. Um, it was like an atomic bomb yes. going off. And yep. to the point where there are actually, in the excavations of Pompeii, there are places where there are like, you know, shadows burned into mm. the walls. I've read um, about that. Yeah, that's It's really that's bizarre. Yeah. And they, they, we see that, you know, fast forward to, um, you know, Hiroshima and the same sort of thing can be found there. So, you know, it gives you an idea, like that we dropped a couple of, of atomic warheads on Japan and created this. It gives you kind of an idea of how powerful this uh, explosion in Pompeii really was and what the devastation was. Um, and that was not man-made. So that's not something that, you know, if only we'd chosen better. You know, this is nature just doing nature's thing. 
and taken out an entire culture basically so um yeah so and and to be fair i've always wondered why people set up shop immediately next to a gigantic volcano but maybe they didn't know well it was smoking the whole time wasn't it so yes but at this in this (laughs) era i mean what you know they're they're looking at this thing and you know remember this is a time when they still believe in that gods lived up in those mountains and they were um probably pretty superstitious about that smoke like that's vulcan doing his thing he's in his his forge and he's now crafting something for the gods you don't you don't question that it's just part of your daily life and if it's something that went on you know how long has been has the volcano there on the big island been going yeah forever right yeah yeah people still live there and uh you know maybe there were minor eruptions here and there um that looked like something manageable you know right Uh, there might have been slow moving lava and that sort of thing so it all seemed manageable until it wasn't and which is kind of a lot like what we deal with today like on the texas coast here um the gulf coast here in texas you know there's a whole thing about hurricanes and it's like you know for forever we get maybe some hurricanes that were eh, and and could be ignored for the most part and then every once in a while you get one that sits on top of the city and floods the you know floods half the state (laughs) hurricane Uh, harvey that was a that was an exciting time yeah yeah or one comes through and decimates an entire you know city um you know, sure. there was a hurricane in uh, Colorado, in the Colorado, and uh, I don't know why. I always, for some reason, I always say Colorado for Oklahoma City and for Galveston. So Colorado, if I say Colorado, Colorado, there's a like a one in three chance that I actually mean Galveston or or Oklahoma City. <laughs> um, but it's in Galveston, you know, the entire island. Uh, it, it more or less happened once in my lifetime. An entire part, portion of the island was wiped flat by hurricanes, and the same thing, you know, happened back in the 1800s. Um, there is a mansion on Galveston Island, the Moody Mansion, that has this short little stubby iron fence around it that is maybe three feet tall. Uh, but that short stubby little fence is actually about nine feet tall, and that's oh. just how much the surface of the ground rose after the flooding. So little things like that are kind of fascinating to me because it, it hints at, you know, there's, we discover cities and things, um, or we, you know, archeologists will discover cities that we never knew were there uh, that are more or less in plain sight. Go back, go Tepe, go back One of those is probably correct. Um, <laughs> is the oldest recorded city that we know. It, it shattered all records for the age of uh, lost cities. It's like 12,000 years ago or something? It's like 12,000 years old. And it was discovered by a farmer uh, by accident. Right. (laughs) You know, and has been slowly excavated. It had sat there for 12,000 years without anyone knowing it was there. So yeah, this stuff, uh, what they're finding in Pompeii, and I am fascinated by the little slices of life that they discover in these places. When it, when yes. you discover a snack stand, it immediately allows me to connect with that culture in a way yes. I couldn't have. I like before. snacks, so now I yeah, I, I like understand. snacks. These, oh, these are people. I got it now. Yeah, I, like I probably would have stopped at this stand and gotten a gotten some fresh freshly butchered duck meat mm-hmm. uh, to take home to my family or something. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Give me a falafel with everything, and uh, <laughs> that that may I don't know if they would have falafel 
uh, or euros or anything like that. That's sure they would have Greek euros. culture. Sure they would have. Yeah. They How connected have was Pompeii to Greek culture? It seems similar, but I don't think it's more Phoenician. I think. Is it okay? Yeah, I, I always know. forget where it is. But geography. They're in that. They're in that same region. So yeah, there may have been some of that. But um, yeah. So that's that's what fascinates me about this about this story, and the fact that you can look at it and see, you yeah. know exactly what this is when you look at it. That's what gets me. Like this that's isn't some obscure. What would they have used this for? Was it perhaps right. for human sacrifice? It may very well have been. Yeah, it's pretty neat, man. It's <laughs> it's pretty. When you sent this to me and 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 our friend, it was uh, I I flipped through. I didn't read it. I just looked at the pictures. And I was like, oh man, this is probably one of the best kept. I almost wonder if somebody just came back later and just painted it. <laughs> you like do wonder about that. You know, it doesn't uh, tell you. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, I I don't know if you've seen these things. Emily and I, uh, my wife and I, looked up some more of these pictures where where people who are not artists go and try to like yes <laughs> like try to fix old Nailed uh, like it. paintings yeah and they just destroy it and it's like this long lost piece of art that's now going to be lost forever because they just absolutely and you have it. to wonder <laughs> how is it because people who work in art restoration are themselves artists right yeah, that they, so they how did yeah. this person get that I gig I know, I know, and that's like, one of them. Like the one, the famous one is that lady who painted that thing at the church, like some fresco or whatever. Yeah, and she just like walked up and started doing it, and so just basically nobody told her not to um, until so she, she was just, probably about halfway through, and they were like, "You please just stop right now." I'll, I'll have to do it, and we'll do an episode about that because that's funny. I'll find a bunch of them, and God, I mean that's the stuff that's real, and also is cool. Is the story of people destroying art because they think they're artists and they're not. That's that's an episode for you right there, man. That's a that's a Dunning Kruger kind of thing, I think. That People, yeah, absolutely. They, the, they you, underestimate you their own competence. Expertise. You don't have, yeah. Uh -huh. And because uh, I I have seen, it's amazing to me how people can they can attempt something and they really cannot for themselves see how bad their effort was. Like yeah, that's a that's astounding. Like they. I have seen, I, I can't, I've lost track of how many, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to criticize writers, although I totally could. Um, there are, <laughs> there are definitely, and I, you could easily accuse me of being the same. So I'm not going to criticize writers. Um, but uh, let's just take, you know, artwork. To me, artwork would be much, far more obvious than writing when you get it wrong, you know, mm, especially mm -hmm. if you had an original piece of artwork that you were working from. Like, how did you get to the point where you thought this blotch of of semi skin tone paint perfectly matches this other blotch? And you know, how did you get to that point when it clearly didn't match? Like, it doesn't. You didn't stay within the lines. Like, it's not right. the same art at all now. <laughs> you have a line to follow. How do you decide? How to did not you not? Yeah, <laughs> I've seen some pretty bad ones, like a painting of Jesus that went yes. from looking like yeah. you know. Michelangelo did it to looking like your kid did it to hang on the fridge. Like it that's was that's that the one bad. that the lady did. I think she's in Mexico, and yeah, that yeah. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do that next week. That'll be a fun one. That's that'll be fun. That'd be that'd be a good one. Yeah. Speaking of next week, um, is that is that all you got? Is that are you done? Yeah, are you man. Done I, I finally. <laughs> I, you know, you know me. I can go on. Um, but yes, well, we can wrap it up there. I I. That was the only story I brought. I have yeah, that's what I was asking. I'm, 20, 25 more. Would you like me to go through them? I, I have a list. 
for anyone listening, you know, we're just, this is a 14 hour long conversation that I'm just splicing up after the fact. Right. We just keep talking. Um, speaking of next week, um, we are going to do this again next week. Um, whenever you're listening to this, uh, there will be another one. So if you're listening, if you're all caught up, then just, you'll have to wait a week. I'm sorry. But if you're not all caught up, good news, you can just click over to the next one and get the next stuff that's real podcast episode featuring your favorite hosts, Kevin and Nick. Um, we, we have been Kevin and Nick. <laughs> is that a good way to outro? Well, we have been not? your favorite hosts. But you're going to have to um, guess which is which. We're going to have to, we're not going to tell you which one's which. I'm going <laughs> to tell you who's talking right now. Um, but yeah, this, this is, this is fun. This is the stuff that's real podcast. We hope that you enjoy the stuff that is real. And we hope that you also think it's cool. Uh, where our eclectic imaginations, uh, can run rampant here with us on the show every week. So thank you very much for being with me, Kevin. And, uh, thanks for tuning in. I'll get you next time. Yeah. Stuff that's real. Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com slash str.